0: Well, good morning, church, and a happy fall break to a lot of you. Um, Now, if you don't know what that means, that just means you went to school when you really went to school, right? Not when you got off every third week, right? Um, But hey, today is the first of fall break, and we just want you to know that we're excited about the family time that comes with that. Before we jump into the message today, I want to give you just a really quick update on the building process um, here at Burn Hickory. I don't know if you realized it yet, but we have managed to do construction on every single side of this building at one time. It takes a very special church to do that, amen? Uh, That means there's mud everywhere, the doors are always weird, and you never know really how to get into the building, uh, is what that means. But if you noticed here out front especially, the foundation is in, the steel has has been started, and it's really moving along nicely, and as you are going to notice this coming week, from this point forward, Forward, we are about to step into a whole bunch of ugly, all right? Now, here's what I mean in that. Uh, what I mean in that is a lot of the front side of the building is about to be affected, all right? Coming up, I think, this week, actually, which might mean that there is going to be some new traffic patterns, okay? So, for those of you who have a little bit of a tendency to come in on two wheels, all right, right there, right on time. Please give yourself a couple of extra minutes. We're not really sure week to week, but we're going to do our best to keep you in the know. Um, A couple things I would just ask of you. Number one, just keep being you. Uh, Thank you for being flexible. Thank you for um, just being accepting of all the craziness. Secondly, keep praying for this project. I know it seems weird to pray for a building. I mean, let's just get the gut level on. It's just weird. God bless the building, right? But man, this is God's house. This is where ministry happens. This is a hub of the community. And you guys just keep praying that the hand of the Lord uh, is involved with this whole process. And then lastly, number three, if your family has not come behind this financially, man, we need you. Uh, we need you to be a part of this project. I had this thought this week. Hey Lord, man, tax returns are coming, uh, and I just thought, well, I have to pay. Uh, but anyway, maybe you don't. All right, maybe you don't. Um, but maybe, maybe that's a way for your family to be involved. I know a couple years ago we asked for pledges. A lot of you jumped into that idea of making your pledge. Man, we just know that we are stroking some checks right now, and now's the time. All right, now's the time to fulfill those. If you have been. Here, since we made those pledges, jump in. We need every Family. All right. Well, hey, there's your commercial. Let's jump into the message. If you got a copy of scripture today, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter six as well as Matthew chapter 50. I mean, Genesis chapter, there's not 50 in Matthew, Genesis chapter 50. And then if you want to and you have time, we're also going to spend time in Genesis chapter 45. Say, Matt, that's a lot. Are we going to get it in? God willing. All right. God willing, we're going to get there as we start to just kind of continue or as we continue into this journey that we're just calling to rethink. or We're in this little series from the beginning of the year till now where we're rethinking some of the big, big areas of our lives because of the truth that, that our lives follow our minds. Our minds shape our lives, and so goes our thinking, so goes our lives. And, and what we're doing is we're pulling off some of those massively big things of our relationship with God that can help us walk that out. Week one, we looked at our salvation, we looked at our worship, we looked at our view of success, we looked at the how and the why of prayer, and then last week we jumped in to the role and the function of the Holy Spirit in our lives. All because if we can begin to train our minds to think as God would have us to think, we're going to begin to see our lives begin to point in His direction. Well, listen, this week, I'm just going to go ahead and warn you on the front side of this week. What Jesus is about to ask us to rethink this morning, um, it's hard. And I'm just going to, I don't know how else to say it, other than it's, it's really incredibly hard. But on the other side of it, if we will choose to do it, it has an incredible ability to set us free and to move us into the power of God and into this incredible intimate relationship with Jesus. I want to kind of introduce it with a personal story. It's a vulnerable story, all right? I, I'm gonna gonna I'm gonna share my heart with you for a minute, all right? This is hard for me to do, but when I was a kid, um, when I was in middle school, actually, when I was in middle school, my family was super involved with church. I, I tell you, I've told you this a few times. I had a drug problem as a kid, and all it was was I was drugged to church. I mean, anytime the doors are open, we were there all the time. It's just how it was. Well, my mom was involved with this ladies group at our church, and they were like super active. I mean, like, way more active than any dude ever wanted to be, but you're ladies, all right? That's what you do, right? And they met all the time, and at Christmas time, they did this thing called the Secret Santa. You may remember that, Uh, where you would draw from a hat who your person is that you're going to be this like secret gift giver to. That's what you guys do, right? And, and, And all season long, they would leave cards and leave little gifts, all leading up to kind of the huge Christmas gift at the end of the season. Well, one afternoon at Christmas time. I came home from school, and on my front porch was this huge Christmas poinsettia. I mean, it was beautiful. It was incredible. I mean, I'm like, man, that is an incredible flower on my front porch, and nobody was home. And I was like, well, that's kind of cool. I wonder who, who sent that. I wonder if dad did that for mom, right? I walk over to it. I grab the card, and it said, to Frida, that's my mom's name, from your secret Santa. And I thought, well, that's really nice of her But then, as the righteous middle schooler that I was, I thought, wait a minute. This is a secret, Santa. This person will never be known, and I do not have a Christmas present for my mother. You see where this is going? Yes, I did. So I did what any great middle schooler would do. I ran in the house. I looked into that drawer that has all those cards in it. You know, the one you open and they all fall out, all the Christmas cards, all the stuff. I found just the one. I took my card out. I wrote to mom from your loving son, Matt, right? I brought that flower in. I slapped that baby on the kitchen table and I could not wait for my mother to get home. When she got home, I was like, mom, 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 I got you a secret. I got you a secret. She's like, what is it? What is it? What is it? I got you this flower right here. And that was huge. This is before the days of me having a device and hitting up a little order and it showing up at the house. She was like, oh my goodness. I still remember to this day, man, she was teared up. She was crying. I am the promised child at this moment. And like any good mother would do, she told everyone that she knew what her son had done for her. She just could not believe it, right? She could not believe how thoughtful I was, how incredible this guy was, right? What I did not know about this secret Santa deal that you guys have done, right? Is that at the end of the season, you told the person who you're the secret Santa for, right? That would have been a great detail for me to know, right? In the sovereignty of the Lord, I might add, right? Not one, but two nights after this little espionage in the petty household, the ladies were getting together to reveal who their secret Santa was. One more step into the sovereignty of God. It was at my house. <laughs> oh, yes. You see where this goes? 20, 30 ladies come over to the house. They're meeting together. Everybody is there. They're revealing each other. They're giving their last gift. And all before that happened, mom had told every one of those ladies about her promised son. And her secret sin, I looked at those flowers and looked at my mother and went, hmm. See where this is going? Let me remind you, I was a child of the 80s, and back in the 80s, corporal punishment was allowed. <laughs> yes, the truth came out. Yes, as the old people would say, I had some explaining to do. And yes, while I might not remember all of the consequences of that evening, what I do remember about that night is, number one, you can break your mother, all right? You can do it. You can break her. But number two, as part of my, my becoming of a better human being, I had to go to this lady and apologize in person. I had to go to this lady and apologize. And man, I, I, I didn't want to do it. I mean, who's going to want to do that, right? I didn't want to do it, right? I knew I was caught. I knew I was guilty. There was no getting around it, Right? But I had to go to this lady and apologize. And one more time, in the sovereignty of the Lord, here's how the Lord works, she was my Sunday school teacher. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So Sunday rolls around, and I had to walk into my life group, it would be today, Sunday school back then, and I had to say, hey, Miss So-and-so, I'm not gonna say her name, you might be related to her. Um, I said, hey, Miss So-and-so, she goes, Matt, I know. I know, and listen to this, I'll never forget these words the rest of my life. I know. I want you to know that I love you. I want you to know that I forgive you. And I want you to know that I will never mention this to you again. Church, that is what we're gonna talk about today. That's forgiveness. That taught me something. Listen, I don't remember one thing that lady taught me from a Sunday school book, all right? Sorry, Life Group Leaders, I don't. I don't remember one thing. But I do remember she taught me that day what it looks like to be a person of faith that walks out the command that we're about to see. This morning we're going to walk through the idea of rethinking what forgiveness looks like in my life. We're going to see it through Jesus' eyes, and then we're going to see it through an Old Testament hero's eyes really quickly. Now, a few weeks ago, we looked at the model prayer of Jesus, the Lord's Prayer of Jesus, where Jesus, in a section of the Bible, was speaking to believers on how to flourish in their relationship with Jesus. And actually, Jesus, he began, even in the Lord's Prayer, to introduce this topic of forgiveness, if you remember, Jesus said as, as part of the Lord's prayer, right? As Right after we lift him up and we hallow his name, right after we got to rule ourselves and... In- Point ourselves for his will to be done, Jesus showed us that in God's prayer that we should pray. We, we, what do we do? We begin to ask God to do some things in our lives. And he said this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. And he says, and God, watch this, forgive us of our debts, Matthew 6, 12, forgive us of our debts or forgive us of our sins. Now, none of us really have a problem with that part of the verse. No believer runs from that, right? But then the second part is where the tension comes in. He says, and forgive us of our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Or if you memorize it like it is, like I did, as we forgive those who sin against us. To which we would say, well, Matt, I, okay, I'm, I'm tracking with the first part of that. Man, I want God to forgive me. Yes, God, give me the grace that I need, that I deserve. But, God, that, but Matt, that second part, that's, that's the one I'm not really sure about. L- let, me, let me just encourage you for a minute and say this. Nobody's sure about it. <laughs> Nobody is. Nobody likes that. Why? Because that causes some heartache. In fact, let me let us off the hook just a little bit and say this, forgiving other people is one of the hardest things that we do as a human being. But on the second side of that, our lack of forgiveness actually has the power and potential, according to Jesus, to be one of those things that drags us down and steals God's power from our lives. Really, let me just get to the bottom of it. It can rob us. When we withhold forgiveness, it can rob the power, the joy, and the hope that God wants us to have. So Jesus, incredible teacher, what does he do? He not only puts this idea that, that we should forgive others in this model prayer in Matthew 6, 14, he actually circles back around to it again after the prayer and kind of the footnote verses of the prayer. I'm not sure if you've ever noticed this before, but out of all the things that Jesus could have come back to immediately right after the Lord's prayer to give emphasis to or to shine a spotlight on. The only thing that Jesus circled back to was this idea of forgiveness. But why? I mean, was it just more important than the other things? No. It's just because he knew how hard it was. It's almost as if we're like those Pharisees that all the time, Jesus would say, hey, I know what you're thinking, right? Jesus leans into it again in the next verses. Watch this without a break. Matthew 6, 14 says this. It says, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others of their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins Now, look, that's a scary verse, right? And this is a tough two verses, and here's why because a lot of us read that through a non contextual application versus being able to see it through the context of the whole New Testament and what has actually happened. Let me see if I can help us understand what's happening in this verse. So who is Jesus speaking to in this verse? Obviously, he's speaking to the disciples, right? And he's leaning into this idea, speaking to these true followers of Jesus, into this idea of what it looks like to be a follower of his and flourish in his love. So listen, Jesus is not prime Primarily talking about salvation forgiveness here. There's there's kind of two different kinds of, of forgiveness. There's judicial forgiveness that we it sets us free and saves us. And then there's the forgiveness of the Father that is already Lord of our lives that we receive to be restored back into his power. That's what he's talking about here. Jesus is leaning into this idea that he's primarily talking about if you want God's power in your life if you want to remain in God's power in your life, if you want the Holy Spirit ruling in your life, and kind of secondary, if you have been forgiven, then you will forgive. That's what he's saying. In fact, write this principle down. Maybe it'll help you. God has commanded, he's called and commanded us as forgiven people to forgive. He's called and he has commanded, to which a lot of us will go, man, are you, are you really sure about this? <laughs> right? But man, what about justice? God is a just God. We'll get to that, right? But man, are you sure forgiveness is always necessary? 100% yes. It is. And I'm going to prove it to you. The reality is we could spend the rest of this day walking through the parables, walking through the healings of Jesus, and walking through the events of Jesus's life that truly show us how big of a deal forgiveness is. We can watch him walk it out. We could also walk through all of the Apostle Paul's statements about forgiveness. They're kind of just one-liners. In fact, I pulled a couple of them out for us. Ephesians 4.32 says this, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Colossians 3.12, let me give you another one. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. There's a good goal for the week, right? And what did he say? Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Paul even goes even even farther in Romans 12, verses 17 and 18. He says this, and do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Look, I know, listen, I, I, I realize most of us know this truth. Like we know it right here. Can we we just agree with that? I'm not teaching you anything you don't know. But the question is, do we know it right here? We know it intellectually, but really and truly, do we know it here? And here's the problem with forgiveness. Forgiveness has these two polar opposite sides to it. One author said it like this. Forgiveness is such a beautiful word when we need it, but it's such an evil, harsh word when we have to give it. So here's what I know, all right? Let me just say this. And, and I'm making up this number because I just needed a statistic, all right? Here it is. Um, here's what I know. 47% of you guys, remember that's a made up number? I don't know, there's a lot of you, okay? Are right now, here's what you're thinking in your mind. Because this is what I was thinking when I was studying this. Matt, I, I know I need to forgive. But, but Matt, you, you just don't understand. That, that's what you're thinking right now. Matt, I know I need to forgive, but Matt, you you don't understand how I was betrayed. You don't understand how harsh it was. You don't understand how I was lied to. You don't understand how how they took advantage of me. You don't understand what they said about me or what they did to me. Or better yet, Matt, you don't know what they did to my kids. Or how about this one, Matt, you you don't know my family. How about that one? Or, Or even better, Matt, you don't know my ex. You don't know my boyfriend. Matt, you don't know, here's another one, you don't know my past church leadership. L- listen, let me, let me just say this with as much compassion as I can, because I, I, I resonate with your statement. I, I just want to tell you, I'm so sorry, I really am. I am so sorry, whatever it is that's in your mind that you're saying, I, I don't know. I, I, listen, I'm sorry and I, and I don't know. I don't know how bad it was. I don't know the specifics of it. I don't know your pain. I don't know your former abuse. I don't know how bad it was. And I, listen, I'm going to do my best to never pretend like I do. But here's what I do know God knows, and God cares. God knows, and He cares. But also, on the flip side of that, God also, even in the middle of whatever it is that's going on in here, listen, He still says to forgive. He still says to forgive. L- let, me, let me remind you of a couple things because that's one thing that's going on in your mind. Here's, here's another thing that's going on in your mind. Matt, um, you, you don't know how nasty they are and I'm afraid of them. And I get that. I resonate with that, to which I would say this. God is never going to ask you to personally or physically step into a potential dangerous situation or conversation with an aggressor in your life. He is never going to ask you to put your life on the line to personally forgive someone. That's not who God is. So take that off the table if that's what's kind of keeping you from forgiving someone. Listen, forgiveness is not always in person. It's not. Because sometimes there's a situation where you just can't do that with a persistent, unrepentant, manipulating, confronting person. Forgiveness is not always in person. But yes, God is asking you to forgive that person, whatever it is. In all circumstances, which leads me to the third one that can maybe kind of help some of this out. Listen, for- forgiveness is not the same thing as reconciliation, it's not. And I think this is the biggest reason that we kind of go wrong in forgiveness a lot of times. Let me, let me see if I can explain it away by, by saying this. Forgiveness is a one way street. Does that make sense? It's a one way street that, that all believers are called to offer, no matter the feelings of the other person. Reconciliation takes both parties. It takes both parties in mind, to which, remember, you will never be held accountable for how someone else responds to your offer of forgiveness. You're not. And let me go a little bit deeper into that. Listen, listen, reconciliation is not always possible. It's just not, especially if the other person is a non-believer, if they have a lack of biblical foundation, or even being pushed by the Holy Spirit. Reconciliation is not always available, but what Jesus is telling us in these verses, but forgiveness is. Forgiveness is do not let the lack of reconciliation or ability to reconcile with someone block you from being able to forgive that person. You're not responsible for that person's feelings or for them repenting. So, God has clearly called us to forgive, but it doesn't always lead to reconciliation. Let me just free you up from that. Some of you guys have withheld forgiveness because you thought that person will never reconcile with me. No, 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 no. That is not the goal. The goal for you is forgiveness. And here's why. This is so hard. Some of us don't understand there's two kinds of forgiveness. Forgiveness. Let me just kind of get technical just for like two minutes. It's going to make a point. Here, here's the deal. There's two kinds of forgiveness. The first kind of forgiveness is what the smart people just call unilateral forgiveness. Uni meaning one. It means this. There is one person involved forgiveness. Here's what that is. Universal forgiveness is when we forgive a person that has not asked for it, has not requested it, has not repented for what they've done. In other words, you are the only person involved. And what you are doing is you are offering them forgiveness. On your own, without their involvement, you are granting them forgiveness. Here's what you are doing. You're just saying, hey, I forgive you. Doesn't matter where their heart is. Now, I know the question in your mind is, Matt, why in the world would I ever do that, right? Why would I ever forgive a person that doesn't want me to forgive them? Here's why you do it. You do it so you can keep going. You do it so you can keep moving. And you do it so the Spirit of God can continually guide you in your life. Man, I'm just going to tell you, if you do not offer forgiveness to other people, you are cutting out God's legs out from under you in your life. That's what you're doing. You do it so the Spirit of God can move in you. And listen, unilateral forgiveness, and this sounds real technical, it keeps you from being held hostage by something that the other person may never get right. They might not ever get it Right? Sometimes they've died and they can't get it right. Sometimes they're so grotesque that you can never even be in their presence again. Sometimes they're so unrepentant that there is no sign of ever changing. Look, if we don't give this kind of unilateral forgiveness, we are being held hostage by something that may never change. God has said to forgive. The other kind of forgiveness is not unilateral forgiveness. It's transactional forgiveness. And that just means that both parties want this to happen. This is the one that we love. This is the one that we're looking for. This is the one that we've always thought is the sign that we should move in this forgiveness. But listen, we as believers in Jesus are called to forgive both ways. This is not a wait and and see if they repent game. But many of us, that's what forgiveness looks like to us. It's like, man, if they'll just give me the least little glimpse of any kind of change, man, if they'll just give me any kind of little moment, man, I will swoop in and I will take care of the rest. That's not what God has called us to do. God has called us to forgive. He's called us and commanded us as true believers to clearly, repeatedly, and empathetically just forgive people. Why? It's easy because we have been forgiven. That's why we forgive. We forgive because God has forgiven us, and because we are the representation of God to this planet. Listen, that is it. That's why we forgive. Man, there's this principle that is just convicted me all week long. I put it in your notes. Listen to this. No matter what has happened to me, I will never forgive anyone more than God has forgiven me. Listen, that's why we forgive you do realize the cosmic treason that sin on my behalf to God has caused will never be smaller, will never come down to the level of what someone else has done for you. How is that? Here's why. Because when we sin, we sin against a holy God who's never had a blemish against him. There is no part of any conversation that is ever wrong. When other people sin against us, it is sinner sinning against sinner. Do you see the difference in this? But yet, God, watch what he did, Romans 5, 8, God demonstrated his own love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So the reality is, when we are tempted to withhold forgiveness, man, let us remind ourselves, thank God he didn't withhold it from me. That's a whole different paradigm, is it not? That's a whole different paradigm of, man, if they'll just give me a little sign, if they'll just give me a little something, I will step in. Why do we forgive? Because we have been forgiven, because we're the hands and feet of Jesus, and because we show the love of God when we forgive. Now, look, that should probably be the end of the message right there, right? But it's not. But here's why. Here's why. Because your mind is like my mind. I'm like, but man, can you really do that? I mean, can you really do that? I get the etherealness. I get the fact that Jesus could do that. I mean, gosh, he's God. Yeah, he can do that. But can anyone really do that? Is there a place that shows me how this works? To which I would say yes. Turn with me over to Genesis chapter 50. Because in Genesis chapter 50, we get to see a man named Joseph. That is the absolute epitome of what forgiveness is and how forgiveness can happen. And I quickly just want to walk you through a little bit of this biblical narrative that shows us an incredible example of forgiveness that you can lean into this week when you walk away from this place as you're rethinking this forgiveness area of your life and as you're struggling through a way to find not to justify your way out of forgiving, quickly show you this man named Joseph. Now listen, Joseph, as some of you know, if there's anyone in the whole Old Testament that, that could have withheld forgiveness and probably been justified, it's this cat, right? When you look at this guy's life, just for a minute, I mean, he is from an incredibly dysfunctional family. He had a dysfunctional father. His mom died when he was young. His brothers hated him so much they wanted to kill him. So they changed their, they changed their mind and threw him in a pit. They changed their mind again. They were like super indecisive. And then they sold him into slavery for years. They put him into this slavery in Egypt where he was seduced, unjustfully jailed. He was forgotten in jail. He was completely alone. If anyone in the Bible had a right to be mad or say, life is not fair or possibly even not forgive it was joseph but god wanted us to know joseph so much he put his story in genesis 37 all the way through genesis 50 to show the power of god and what it looks like to forgive really wanted god wanted to show us man this is a problem but you can make it through it so let's see how joseph forgave just for a minute and then we'll tie a bow around this at the end We're going to catch up with the story in Genesis chapter 50. This is the backside of the story where the brothers have come into the kingdom. Joseph has saved all of Egypt. He has saved his people. His brothers and his dad are living in the kingdom that he has provided. And then the dad dies and the brothers get a little squirrely. Watch what happens in Genesis 50 verse 17. They thought that Joseph was about to come after them. Verse 15, it says, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, They said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you were to say to Joseph. This is the father speaking, they're speaking on his behalf. He said, I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants and of the God, the servants of the God, your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. Joseph is at this moment, we're going to see in just a minute, that he has already forgiven his brothers. But his brothers are already, they're they're still in this bondage of, we knew we did wrong, we knew we did wrong, we knew we did wrong. And it's not Joseph's fault that this is where his brothers were. It's just where they were. And so now Joseph, once again, is at this crossroads of forgiveness. He's he's having to decide, am I going to live in the bondage of unforgiveness or am I going to live in the freedom of forgiveness? Now, I realized when I was reading this verses that I've been talking for about 22 minutes and I I haven't even defined forgiveness for you. So let me put it on the screen real quick. Forgiveness is the act of pardoning an offender, an offense, or a debt. That's what forgiveness is. Some of us, we've never been taught. We've we've been taught the word, but we don't know what it is. Forgiveness is the reality of me letting go of a sin, letting go of an offense that someone has done me to me. Does that make sense? You see, when you sin against someone, it's like that there is a debt that is incurred, and forgiveness is my decision to no longer relate to that person with that debt in mind. Now, that doesn't mean that I forget it. It doesn't mean that I justify it. It doesn't mean that I excuse it, or even pretend like it didn't happen, or ignore it. But what it does mean is that in forgiveness, you are making the decision, listen to me right here, to pardon that sin to pardon that sin and that sinner, right? And this is incredible. And it shows us in this event what exactly is happening because Joseph has already forgiven his brothers. And we're seeing that despite how much Joseph has loved on his brothers, he has forgiven them. They're still struggling in this idea. And now they all are feeling this idea of does he still forgive us? To which Joseph's like, yeah, I still forgive you. That's why he wept in front of them. But I want you to see Joseph's act of forgiveness, though. Flip back to verse chapter 45 with me for a minute. Because Joseph shows us a true model of forgiveness right here really quickly. And I want you to see what Joseph does. Because, man, he taught me some things this week that I just said, man, Lord, I don't know how these two things go together. I'm just going to smash them together and hope for the best, right? Genesis 45. This is when Joseph has saved his brother's lives, but they don't know who he is yet. He hasn't revealed himself to them, but he's about to. Watch this. It says this, then Joseph could no longer control himself before his attend- all his attendants. And he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and the Pharaoh's household heard about it. So what's happening here? Joseph knows that this is his brothers. He's been taking care of them and sending food home. And now he wants to tell his brothers that he forgives them, that he invites them back into the kingdom. And so what does Joseph do to show us that he's really forgiven his brothers? Write this down. Number one, forgiveness that is real or true forgiveness, number one, does not bring other people into the situation who have nothing to do with the sin. Did you see this in Joseph's lives? What happened? The brothers came in and he sent all the Egyptians out and he said, I am only going to talk to my brothers about this situation. You see, here's the deal. You know that a person has not forgiven something in their life when they continue to gossip about it. When they continue to talk about it, they do the opposite of Joseph. What do they do? They bring people into the situation who can't fix it, who can't resolve it. They have nothing to do with the situation and might not even know about the situation. But because they want to vent, what do they do? They involve other people. What does it mean we want to vent to someone? It really just means that we don't want forgiveness. We want vengeance. You see, if you think you're forgiving someone, but yet you're still inviting other people into the conversation, you're not forgiving them. You're just wanting to vent about it. Joseph says forgiveness doesn't invite other people into the situation. Now, it doesn't mean that in counseling situations or wisdom situations that somebody can walk with you. That's not what it's talking about. But are you seeking vengeance or are you seeking forgiveness? Now, what happens in Joseph's life? He reveals himself to his brothers in this situation. He shows that it's really him. And then he shows us number two, what happens in forgiveness? Number two, write it down. Forgiveness makes the offender feel at ease. Now, I know that is totally anti, or most of us want to operate when somebody steps on us, right? But isn't that a picture of who Jesus was? Isn't that a picture of what Jesus did on the cross? Isn't that a picture of what Jesus was doing, even as he was being beaten on his way to the cross, and in so many of his stories? Now, get out of your mind a safety situation. I'm not talking about going to an offender that has physically or, or or sexually abused you, saying you need to make them feel these. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about a common offense here. But watch what Joseph does. Verse three, it says Joseph said to his brothers, "I am Joseph." He said, "Is my father still living?" But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified in his presence. Don't be all judgy. You would have been too, right? I mean, if you sold your brother into slavery and now you're standing in front of him and he's second in command of all of Egypt, you are thinking, this is the day I die, right? That's what you're thinking right here. But watch what Joseph does. He shows us forgiveness. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. Can I I just say that phrase never hit me like it hit me this week? This isn't an angry get over here. No, that's what we want to think, right? No, no, no. This is just tenderly Joseph going, hey, come here. Come close to me. Keep reading it. it says, when they had done so, he said, I am your brother, the one you sold into Egypt. And you can just picture this in your mind, can't you? You can picture them pulling them in, not out of rage, but out of tenderness, But what did he say to him? okay? What did he say? He he, he looked at his brothers. He's like, yes, you did wrong. All right, don't get me wrong. Forgiveness is not just kind of throwing it out. No, he's saying, you did wrong, but I'm welcoming you back into my space. I'm welcoming you back into my life. You wronged me, but come here. I forgive you. I welcome you. And what Joseph is saying is, I am beginning the restoration process with you. Keep reading in verse five. Watch what he does. He says, and now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. We are watching a miraculous forgiveness. He goes even farther right here and he gives us the third kind of indicator of true forgiveness. Write it down. True forgiveness helps the sinner forgive themselves as you forgive them. Isn't that what Joseph's doing right here? You see, Joseph essentially says, hey, listen, brothers, um, man, th- that was nasty, right? You sold me. But he looks at him and says, Hey, listen, don't, don't keep being mad at yourself. I forgive you. I forgive you. What did Joseph say? He says, I am canceling your debt. And I want to help you forgive yourself. Now notice what Joseph didn't do. Joseph didn't just keep throwing a heap of guilt on guilt or hurt on hurt or shame on shame. They were guilty. They knew they were guilty. But Joseph is wanting them to be able to forgive themselves. Why? Because he is the representation of God. And he knows that. But I can hear you, Matt, how in the world can you do that? Man, I get this idea. I'll throw out a, yeah, I forgive you and move on. But how could I do this? Once again, it goes back to your view of God. It goes back to what your view of what God has done for you, what he is doing for you, and what he's going to do for you one day. If you do not have an accurate picture of that, you will never be able to free someone up in forgiveness. Man, look at verse five. He keeps going. He understands who God is. Watch what he says. He says, and now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourself for, you, for selling me here. Watch this. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. At the bottom line, Joseph looks at his brothers and goes, listen, you, you sold me here, but God sent me here. You sold me here, but God put me here. Listen closely. God always works in the life of his kids. In other words, Jesus has a plan for you and he will use every single up in your life and he will use every single down in your life and god used this specific tragedy to save many when you have a view and an understanding of god that even in the messes and even in the tragedies god can use your life you will quickly become a major force of forgiveness and a major force of showing who god is to the people on this planet that's what forgiveness is forgiveness is this idea that we begin to help and heal from within us and it begins to point to God and it really shows us that we are not in the vengeance game because the vengeance game steals the power of God from our lives. Watch Joseph in verse nine. He releases them for their guilt. He says, now hurry back to my father and say to them, this is what your son Joseph says. He says, God has made me Lord of all of Egypt. Come down to me and don't delay. Joseph says, listen, brothers, uh, yeah, you wronged me. Yeah, you're evil. Yeah, you did this. I forgive you. Now go get dad. Tell dad that I'm okay. Tell dad that I'm more than okay. Tell dad that I'm not some measly servant. Tell dad that God, through his faithfulness, has risen me up and I am now in charge of all of Egypt. He says, don't go tell dad how evil you are. Go tell dad how good God is. You see, this makes no sense unless you know who God is. Because why? Because part of the things that we set out to get in forgiveness is that we want vengeance. But when we realize who God is, we know that God is the God of vengeance. He's the God of justness. Vengeance is his, saith the Lord. And he's released us from worrying about it because I'm going to tell you, believer, God will situate people one day. It's not our role. In forgiveness, here's what what God does. True forgiveness, number four, so real closing. True forgiveness sets us up for God to encourage us, use us, and to walk in his full power and presence. That's Joseph's life. Do you know what happens to you when you you forgive? At the bottom core level? Here's what happens to you. You move into the supernatural. You, You jump into the literal power of God. Why? Because forgiveness is not natural. It's not natural. You know why? Because we're sinners. Do you know why? Because we have a built-in vengeance need. But when you choose to forgive, you are stepping into the supernatural of God. So in a way, listen to this. When we forgive, we are released from the pain of the past and we're released to follow the one who is already in tomorrow. That's what it does. But unforgiveness, it puts a lock on God's power in our life. Here's my final question for the morning. Is it worth more to you to hold on to the debt of sin that someone has committed against you? Or is it worth more to experience the full power, presence, and movement of God in your life? Joseph would say, I can tell you which one's worth more. Listen, I can can tell you just from some things in my life that I've had to go back and situate, which one is better. But I'm gonna tell you today, God has just called us to forgive. Church, we have a God that's so much bigger than any offense that's been against you. He can set you free from it. But today, when you step into forgiveness, look, some of you today, you're like, I don't know, man. Just not sure. Let me tell you what I know is true for probably most of us. There's someone in your mind right now. Someone from some event in your mind right now that you need to forgive. Maybe that person is repentant. Maybe they're not repentant. I don't know. I don't don't know. That's, That's not the care. The care is that God has asked you to forgive. Maybe your whole life for like this last season of your life. You have done everything you can to get your spiritual life back on track. You've read your Bible. You've been at church. You've been nice to people, right? But it just still doesn't seem like the Spirit of God is ruling your heart. Maybe it's because there is some repentance and there's some forgiveness that needs to happen. Lord, today, as we walk into this invitation moment, Lord Jesus. God, here's my prayer. My prayer, Lord, is that you would help us forgive. Not because this makes us look better, but because you have forgiven us. You have called us to be your representation on this earth, and it shows the love of God in people's life. Lord, I don't know who's on people's mind today, but God, here's what I know during this next couple of minutes. God, I just ask you to move in this place. God, this altar is open. God, I'll be over by the Next Steps banner over here. I'll have some people who would love to pray with people that need to release some people in forgiveness. But God, what I do know is that a whole, whole lot of us today can really begin to walk in your power if we can settle this one thing in our lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for moving in us. It's in your name. Amen. I mean, would you stand with me today if you need to give your life to Christ, if you want somebody to talk to, if you want somebody to pray with you, man, these next couple of minutes or for you, or if you just need to run out of here real quick and go forgive someone, you can do that as well. Let's sing together. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Were you inspired? Maybe you've got questions. Do you want to know more about Jesus? Then we'd love to hear from and connect with you. So take the next step with us by visiting burnthickory.com slash next. Again, thanks for listening. And hey, stay tuned by subscribing and stay up to date by downloading the Burnt Hickory app.